Because of power outages as a result of a hurricane, on Sunday, October 14th, Carolina Family Church couldn't meet in our normal location, so we decided to meet in the park, which was a great idea, and we did a family service where everybody was in the service together. So when you hear the message today, it'll start with our children's director, Jess Allen, explaining the story of Joseph to all the kids, and then we'll proceed into the message. And it was a lot of fun right until the rain started, and then the real fun began. So instead of sitting in the seats, we all huddled up on stage under the canopy together. And so as you listen to the podcast this weekend, first you're going to hear Jess Allen, then you'll hear John, Pastor John, and uh, you'll probably hear the rain as well. Enjoy. So another thing we work on all the time is how to use our Bible and what Old Testament and New Testament mean and how to find books of the Bible and how it's okay to use the table of contents. So if you're a little unsure of using your Bible, it's okay to use your table of contents, but we're lucky because today the adults are learning about Joseph and they've actually been learning about him for a couple weeks. Just like when we study a, a character from the Bible, a man from the Bible or a woman from the Bible, we study them for weeks so that we really learn them. And Joseph's story is found in Genesis. So is Genesis Old Testament or New Testament? Are you just guessing 50%? Yeah, Yeah, it's old. In fact, guess what? The very first book of the Bible is Genesis. Right. So what does that tell us about Joseph? If he's in the... He was one of the first people. Yeah, he's one of the first um, accounts that we have. So this happened long time ago. Now, here's the thing. Joseph wasn't our plan to study today, but I think it's really neat because Joseph was a dude who was content. Do you remember what content meant? It's not being happy, right? Content is even though you're feeling all sorts of feelings, you know that God is in control so that you can be filled with joy. And here's the thing. Last week we talked about Paul and all of the bad things that happened to Paul. And when Paul was in prison, he wrote that he knew he could be content. Even though all these bad things were happening, he knew God had his back. And so the same thing with Joseph. Here's the thing. Joseph had a lot of siblings. Raise your hand if you have even one sibling. Oh, I see your faces and feel your pain because I have too. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So sometimes we love our siblings, right? And sometimes they're not the greatest. Oh, more times they're not the greatest. Okay. Your siblings here though, right? So be kind. It's in the middle. Yeah. Okay. So we'll be kind. We'll try to be kind. Okay. Sometimes we go a little off track. We'll bring it back. Don't worry. We're, we're, we're wrapping up. I promise. We're not even started, but we'll wrap up. Okay. I usually get 50 minutes. (laughs) Okay. Joseph had tons and tons of siblings, okay? And the very first, when he's a teenager, we don't know much when he's little, but it came pretty evident that he was the favorite kid. I know none of your parents have favorite kids, so don't worry about that, okay? They all love you equally. You're all wonderful and perfect. So Joseph's brothers got really, really upset with him. In fact, so upset that they wanted to throw him in a pit. Adios, Joseph. That is not a good plan. Please don't do that. This is one of those messages where you say, don't try this at home. 
None of these things try at home, okay? None of them, you or you specifically. All right. So what they ended up doing was they ended up selling Joseph off to another family so that he would be, um, that he would have to work for them. And his dad was so upset because he actually thought that Joseph had died. And so then Joseph has lost his family. That's a pretty bad thing that's happened to him, right? So now he's working. But remember, Joseph has contentment. And so he's doing everything he can to show that he knows that God is in control. So he works the best that he can. And then this family that he starts working for, guess what? God honors that and puts him in this huge position of power. So now he's running the whole house of this family. And it wasn't like just cleaning the house. He's running all of the farms, all of the money, all of that. He's running that. So it kind of worked out. But then Joseph got thrown in jail. You know, these things happen in the Old Testament. And I could tell you the story, but then your parents would be upset with me. That's something you can ask them about at home. You're welcome. <laughs> also, wine in the Bible is special drink, okay? Special drink. You got to talk about that with your kids. So Joseph is now in jail. This we learned about last week, right? In jail. Paul was in jail. It seems like they find themselves in these positions, the people of the Bible. But here's the thing. Even in jail, he knew God was in control, And guess what? God honored the fact that Joseph loved him, and he was with him. The Bible says over and over in Joseph's story in Genesis, in the Old Testament, in the very front of the Bible, that God was with Joseph. And so then, in the jail, he gets to be in charge of all of the people. Oh, my goodness. And then he does this weird thing. These people that worked for the government, they got thrown in jail, and they had dreams, and he started telling people what their dreams meant. Now, that wasn't Joseph doing that on his own. Who do you think gave him the ability to do that? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So then, these people get out of jail, and the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's the big dude, right? We've learned about him. We've Right, yeah, that's one of the unpleasant parts of him, but he's in charge, right? And you can't cross him. If you cross him, you get... Okay, right, yeah, all of those things. Yes, right, or jail or lions or things like that, right. So Pharaoh has this dream, and, he ha- and the dream, listen to this. This is bizarro. This is one of those dreams you wake up and go into your parents' room and be like, uh, I just had a dream. He had a dream that these big fat, healthy cows were eating by a river. Was it by a river? It was by a river? Sort of. There was water somewhere. I'll look that up later. Sorry, guys. Okay. And then these scrawny, unhealthy, sickly little cows came up to the big ones. And then they ate them. So obviously they were hungry. They ate cannibalism. Yes. Okay. We all saw her about that too. Um, so Pharaoh goes, what on earth does this mean? And the guy that was in jail with Joseph, he said, oh, I know a guy. I know a guy. And they brought Joseph out, and he's with the Pharaoh. 
He tells Pharaoh what the dream means. And he says, it means that we're going to have seven years where we've got everything we need. And seven years where we don't. And Pharaoh said, well, wait a minute. We need to be ready for that. Does anyone know what famine means? This dream meant that there was going to be a famine. There wasn't going to be enough food. Not just there, but everywhere. And you know, if there's not enough food, you've got to be planned for that, right? You've got to prepare for that. And if you know it's coming, then you have time to grow the harvest and to make sure you have enough meat and things like that. And so Pharaoh decided not only could Joseph interpret the dreams, but that Joseph was the dude for that. And so now this kid who was sent away by his siblings, sold to the highest bidder, right? Left and his family thinks he's gone and he misses everybody and he got thrown in jail and he's had all these different jobs, right? Now he's in charge and if his plan works, he gets to save a bunch of people. Hey, I'm not going to give away the ending because that's John's job today, but here's what you need to know. Okay, while you're listening today, this is going to be the sermon that the adults would hear. Okay, there's not going to be your video. There's not going to be anything like that. But here's the thing about the Bible. It's not just for adults. It's for you. So when you're thinking about times that things have gone wrong or times when you think your siblings have treated you incorrectly or times when you think, I don't really know what's going on here. This is what we remember. We remember Joseph and remember his contentment. And you remember that God is with you. Today, you're going to hear about how to handle people who do you wrong. Because guess who shows back up in the story? His brothers. They're about to re-enter. Chapter 7, right? No, it's actually chapter like 40-something. So, when you're listening today, don't think this is just for the adults. I want you to think, what am I going to learn from Joseph today? Okay? All right, we're going to pray, and we're going to show the adults how we pray, okay? So when we pray, we keep our hands busy, right? We either hear or they're on our laps or we raise them up, right? We close our eyes because we don't want to be distracted by what's going around, okay? And we make sure that we don't touch anybody. That's one of the things that we have to say in Carolina Kids. We don't touch anybody while we pray. <laughs> All right, if you close your eyes for me. Dear God, thank you so much for the chance to meet as Carolina kids because we love meeting every week, and we're so grateful for the lessons you have for us. Um, Thank you for our small group leaders and all of our um, nursery workers and our first look leaders and our hosts and our greeters and um, our setup team and our teardown team. Um, Just thank you um, that they make Carolina kids possible for us. Um, And thank you for the opportunity for us all to worship together. Um, I think adults have a lot to learn from us kids. And so I'm really grateful that you brought us all together today. Please help us to store in our hearts the story of Joseph as we learn today, as we learn how to treat people who may have done something wrong to us, and as we learn to have contentment in that. Thank you for our families who brought us to church today. Thank you for, um, for Pastor John as he teaches us today. And thank you um, for keeping us safe and healthy the rest of the week so that we can shine our light to other kids and show them how to love Jesus. Here we pray. Amen.
so as Jess said, right, Joseph has been through a lot. We've talked about all of that. And he has, I mean, you name it. He's been betrayed by his own brothers, right? Which I, I know a lot of us know what that feels like, brothers or sisters, siblings. Been betrayed by his family. He's been, um, he's been wrongly accused of something he didn't do and thrown into prison. Uh, he, while he was in prison, he had a guy who promised him he was going to get him out and never followed through on that promise. And so he sat in prison for another two years. And now he's finally in this position of power. And he's, I want you to imagine for a second, I want you to think about everybody who's ever done you wrong. And then I want you to picture the, the, the level of anger or sadness or whatever you may feel. I want you to picture for a second what it would be like to find yourself in a position of authority over them. Maybe you're their boss or maybe you're in a courtroom with them or wherever you might be and realize that you have the power to do to them whatever you want to do to them. And think about what you might do with that kind of power. And that's exactly what happens to Joseph when we get to the end of his story in scripture. He finds himself face to face, just like Jess said, face to face with the first people who wronged him. And so what we're going to do is we're going to jump right to Scripture. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, uh, you can. I recommend paper Bibles when we're at Dan Nicholas Park, but you uh, may not have <laughs> been prepared for that. And so I, if you've got signal and you can get it on your phone, that'd be great too. Um, but I'll read it, of course, as we go through. Uh, it's Genesis chapter 42. All right. So it says, Genesis chapter 42, right at the beginning of the chapter. When Jacob, that's Joseph's dad, right? Joseph's dad, he's got all the sons. He thinks that Joseph is dead. And so um, he learns that there was grain for sale in Egypt. Now we said there was going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And Joseph did a really good job of his job. And over those seven years of plenty, they stored up so much grain in Egypt that, that they stopped counting it. They had so much. And everybody from all over the world learned that Egypt had food when no one else had it. And so they all started going to Egypt to try and get this food, to buy it. And that's what happens. Jacob, who's Joseph's dad, learned there was grain for sale in Egypt. And he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? Basically, he's like, why are you just standing around? They've got food. We need to go get food. So get a move on. He says, why are you just looking at each other? He said, behold, I've heard that there's grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. Get a move on, boys. This is what you have kids for, by the way. I don't know, kids, I don't know if you know that. It's so that when you get old enough, you can do stuff for us. That's the plan. No, no. Like I got a lawn now that needs to be mowed. I'm just saying, guys, at some point, (laughs) the best, I don't know, you know, I don't have teenagers yet. Some of you have teenagers, but when you could send them out to run errands for you, oh my goodness, I can't wait for that. But then you also, that means they can go out to do what they want to do, which is a problem. So, but anyway, that's why you have kids. So he, he's just playing Fortnite all the time. Yeah. Okay. So he says, I've heard there's grain. Go down and buy grain for us so we may live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin. Now this is important. Benjamin is the littlest brother. All right. Uh, That's Joseph's brother with his brothers for he feared that harm might happen to him. So here's what happened. Um, Joseph had a bunch of kids, 12 sons in fact. And two of those were, were, uh, the mother was his first love, which is Rachel. And so Joseph has one full brother, which is Benjamin. He's the baby. And then 10 half brothers. Now, Jacob, the dad, loved Joseph the most. Jess told us that, that he loved Joseph the most. He was the favorite son. In fact, he gave him this big, beautiful coat to prove it to everyone that he was the favorite son. And so 
Once Joseph was gone, though, the next favorite son was Benjamin because he was the baby. And so Jacob wanted to protect Benjamin as much as he possibly could. So he said, all right, the 10 of you older boys, you go down to Egypt to buy the grain. Benjamin, the baby, he's staying here with me. So that's Papa's boy. He protects him. All right. So now they go over to, to Egypt to get the grain. Genesis chapter 42, verses 6 through 8. Now, Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. So basically what happened, if someone wanted to buy grain from Egypt, they had to go stand in front of Joseph, and Joseph would decide whether to sell it to you or not. That was his job. All right? And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. And the, Now, it's really interesting. Way back when, the reason that his brothers got so mad at him in the first place is because Joseph told his brothers that he had a dream. And in that dream, all of them were bowing down to him. And his brothers didn't like that because they already knew he was the favorite son. And they said, no, we're never going to bow down to you. You got to be kidding. We got to get rid of this guy. And so that's why they sell him off. Well, now Joseph is the second most powerful man in Egypt, just under the Pharaoh. He's standing in front of them and they're all bowing down to him. His dream is coming true, but they don't realize it. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. You see, he'd been gone from home so long that he'd become basically an Egyptian. They, they, they didn't recognize him as their brother. They had no idea who this was they were standing in front of. he changed the way he spoke. He spoke Egyptian. He didn't speak Hebrew like they did. He changed the way that he looked. I mean, he probably had all the robes and the like mascara and the other stuff that they wore. They wore mascara, right? Sure. Eyeliner or whatever. I don't know the difference. But the stuff you put on your eyes that makes it darker, that he was wearing that. And, uh, and he may have had his head shaved and he just looked totally different. He, he talked like an Egyptian. Are we ready for it? And he walked like an Egyptian. That's right. You know, so they, so you can do it. There you go. You got it. So, so they're standing in front of him. They have no idea this is their brother, but he knows it's them. And he's in a position of power and he can do anything he wants to them right now. Absolutely anything. He could not sell grain to him. He could throw him into prison. He could have all of them arrested. He could, he could even have all of them killed if he wanted to. So he's got a big decision to make. A big decision. You can imagine, just put yourself in his shoes. He hasn't seen him for years. He was a teenager when he was sold by his brothers. And he's at least 37 now. Because he's 30 years old when he enters the service of Pharaoh. Seven years of plenty. And then maybe a couple more years before his family ran out of food. So Joseph might be 40 years old now. When he was maybe 15 when he left. So you can imagine, I'm sure he's thought about it all the years, but when his brothers are standing in front of him, all of those memories are coming back. All of those feelings of hurt and betrayal and anger and disappointment and sadness are coming back as he thinks about everything that's happened as a result of their, their actions, him being brought into another person's house, him being thrown into prison, him be, being disappointed and having to stay there. It's all their fault. And now he's got to decide what he's going to do. What's he going to do? Now, nah, I think if it's me, if it's a lot of us, we're going to get revenge, right? Like, you hurt me. This is, this is the natural thing that comes up in our heart, right? You hurt me, and I'm going to hurt you. And I'm going to hurt you just as bad as you hurt me, or I'm going to hurt you worse than you hurt me. 
So Joseph's got a big decision to make. And he decides to play coy with him a little bit. And he looks back at him and he says, no, 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 I don't believe you guys. You're spies. I know what you are. You're spies. You're here to figure out how much grain we have so you can bring people in to steal it. And they said, no, 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 we're not spies. We promise. We got a dad back home. We got a younger brother who didn't come along with us. I promise you we're not spies. He goes, no, I don't believe you. He says, everybody grab them, throw them into prison. And he throws those brothers into prison for three nights. A little taste of their own medicine, right? They spend three nights sitting, rotting in the prison, just like Joseph had to. It must have been a little bit of, uh, maybe a little bit of sweet revenge happening. Okay? But eventually he pulls them out. He pulls them out and he says, hey, all right, I'm going to test you. Here's what I want you to do. You're going to go back home and you're going to get your younger brother who Joseph desperately wants to see, right? It's his brother. He said, you're going to go back home. You're going to get that younger brother you're telling me about and you're going to bring him back. And when you bring him back, and you better not come back if you don't have him with you. His name's Benjamin, all right? If you don't got Benjamin with you, you better not come back or it's going to be a problem. But you go get him and bring him back to me, all right? And, and he says, and, and just, just to make sure that you, that you do this, I'm going to hang on to one of you for a little while, okay? So he takes a hostage. It's Simeon, poor Simeon. He ends up having to stay in Egypt. So he holds on to Simeon. He sends the brothers back, but he does something really interesting. He sends them back with their grain, but he tells his steward, that's the guy that manages his house. He says, not only send their grain back, send their money back with them too. Take the money that they were going to pay us for the grain. I want you to put it in their sack. I want you to send them back with it. And so he does. He hangs on to Simeon. The other brothers leave, nine of them now, head back to Canaan to find their dad and tell him about what happened. They get about halfway back. They open up their sacks. They find all of the grain and they realize the money's still in there. And, uh, and, and they, they don't quite know what to do. All right? They don't know what to do. You know, as they're standing in front of, I want to back up a little bit. As they're standing in front of um, Joseph and they're working out this whole deal, they start talking to each other. And they start talking to each other and saying, what in the world is happening to us? Why is this bad thing happening to us? We just came to buy grain and now our brother's going to be held here and dad was worried about everyone and now we got to bring our brother back and we don't know what we're going to do. And they're speaking to each other in Hebrew. And they don't think that Joseph understands what they're saying because he's been talking to them through an interpreter the whole time. He, Joseph's been speaking in Egyptian. They've been speaking in Hebrew and an interpreter's been doing this. And so they're talking to each other in Hebrew saying, why is this happening? Why are all these bad things happening to us? Why has why this come upon our family? And they look at each other and you know what they say? 30 some years later, they say it's because of Joseph, isn't it? It's because of what we did to our brother. It's because, this is the language they use, it's so beautiful. They said it's because we saw the distress of his soul and did nothing about it. And they don't understand as they're standing there confessing what they did to each other that Joseph understands every word that they're saying. That he's listening to them confess to what they did to him and how it was wrong. And they're like, we did nothing. And then Reuben, this is, this is the interesting little point. Reuben's like, hey guys, I just need you to know I had nothing to do with that. Uh, if, if you remember back, he was the one who was like, no, no, we shouldn't sell him. Who was like, I, no, no, I, I just want to, my hands are clean of that thing. All right. I think that Reuben really wanted to be the favorite child. 
And so you look back at the original and he was trying to get out of this whole thing with Joseph so his dad wouldn't be mad. So anyway, he does that again. Oh, it's, it's cool. He just wants you to know I had nothing to do with it. But they stand in front of Joseph. They confess the whole thing. And look at what happens. Genesis 42, 23 through 24. They did not know that Joseph understood them for there was an interpreter between them. And then he turned away from them. He goes into another room and wept. So when they stand there confessing what they did to him, he can't take it. He steps out of the room and loses it because of all those feelings that are coming up. And then he took Simeon from them and bound them before their eyes. And, and I just want to tell you, so if, if you ever find yourself in a situation where someone has hurt you, let you down, you maybe have the opportunity for revenge. This is years and years later, but Joseph still let it hurt. I think one of the mistakes that we make is that when someone has, has accused us, when someone has betrayed us, when someone's done something like that, we try to callous ourselves and make our heart cold so that we don't get hurt like that again. We, we close ourselves off, we isolate ourselves because of the pain that's been caused to us. And like Joseph, we need to let it hurt. When we lose someone that we love, we need to let it hurt. When someone betrays us, we need to let it hurt. We need to allow those feelings to sink in because those feelings are the things that are ultimately going to direct the decisions that we make. That's why when you lose someone that you love, you have to go through a grieving process because if you don't, if you ignore it, if you just try to stuff it and move on, it's going to come back and get you later. And Joseph, standing face to face to his brothers that did this to him, he allowed that to hurt. He stepped into the, he didn't let them see it, but he stepped into the other room and he cried. Wipes his tears splashed some water on his face, got it together, came back in the room, grabbed Simeon and said, you guys get out of here. So they go on for a while and uh, they, figure out that, uh, they figure out that the grain bags are full. And I think there's something else that we learn when someone has hurt us, we have the opportunity for revenge, is to show unexpected kindness to them. Joseph, Joseph wasn't putting the grain and the money in their bags as a trick. He put the grain and the money in their bag because he loved them. Because he wanted to serve them. Because he wanted to help them, even though they had done that to him. Because of his love, not only for them, but particularly for Benjamin, his little brother, and Jacob, his dad. And so he sends them back with their money and their grain. But the problem is that when, when people are... Um, nefarious, okay, when people are, are bad, when people are evil, they read good things as bad things, if you ever noticed that. So they see the grain and the money in their bag at the same time, and they think it's a trap. They think that Joseph's trying to trick them. They think that he's going to accuse them of stealing the grain because they didn't pay for it, and he's going to come and he's going to get them later. They think it's a trap, and I've never noticed that. But if you do something nice for someone who's hurt you, they always think it's a trick, they always think you're only doing something nice for them because you're setting them up for something else because they can't possibly see through the evil that's in their own heart to see the good could stand in the face of evil. So that's what happens. They think it's a trap. They think it's a trick. But when you find yourself hurt by someone, one of the best things you can do is show unexpected kindness. Even if they don't understand it, even if they don't accept it, it's something that keeps your heart soft. And that's very important. You let it hurt because that keeps your heart soft. And you show unexpected kindness because that keeps your heart soft. The last thing you want to happen is for your heart to get hard. The last thing you want to happen. All right. So he shows that kindness. They get back. Joseph, or Joseph, uh, sorry, Jacob, the dad, he's not happy. He's not happy because he sent 10 sons to Egypt worried about their safety and one of them didn't come home. I want you to imagine for a second. 
Like if I sent my three kids off and one of them didn't come home. I don't know which one I would pick. I don't know. Depends on the day. It really depends on the day. <laughs> but <laughs> but Joseph, Joseph uh, Jacob is distraught. This is his worst nightmare. He's already lost one son. He doesn't want to lose another one. He says that over and over and over again. But they get back. And he says, he says, you got to go. They say, dad, this is what Joseph said. He said that we have to bring Benjamin back. We don't get Simeon back unless we bring Benjamin back. And Joseph and Jacob's like, no, there's no way we're doing that. I'm not going to do it because what's going to happen? I'm going to take Benjamin out there and then he's going to keep both. And I'm not going to keep losing sons. This is not going to happen. So we're not going back. He says, absolutely not. And then Reuben, you remember Reuben? Like, hey guys, I had, nothing, I had no part of that Joseph thing. Reuben's like, hey dad, I just want you to know, I swear on my life. I swear on my family's life. I will go and I will get your son Simeon back. And I will return so that your family can be full. And it's like, Reuben, come on, man. For goodness sake, you're not going to be the favorite son. You need to get over it, you know? But he, he, wanted, he, was, he was just gunning for that next Technicolor dream coat. That's what he was doing. He was waiting for that next thing to come off the presses and he wanted it. He says, I'll go. But Jacob says, no, we're not doing it. It's too risky. It ain't going to happen. And so they survive for a little while longer until finally they can't make it anymore. And finally, Jacob says, all right, enough's enough. You guys got to go back. We need food. We're not going to survive without food. So I'm sending you back. So he sends them all back, sends Benjamin with him this time, the baby. And they head back to Egypt. So they come and they stand in front of him. All right. They come and they stand in front of Joseph again. Benjamin is with him this time. And it's one of the most beautiful things. All right, Jacob has told him, he said, when you go back, I want you to take not only, um, not only the, the money for the new grain you're going to buy, but I want you to take back also the money that was in your pouch before. So you can say it was some sort of misunderstanding. We didn't steal anything. Here's the money that we, we had promised to you last time. And he says, I also have a, a, a special gift I want to send back to, with you. And he says, it's beautiful words. He says, as they're going, as they're walking away, Jacob says, I am bereaved for my sons. I am bereaved. He's not expecting them to come home. But he knows it's their only hope of getting any grain to survive. And Joseph sees them coming. And when Joseph sees them coming, and he knows Benjamin is with him, he says to his steward, he says, prepare a feast. Prepare a meal, a lunch in fact, at noon. Prepare a huge feast and invite them to it. And the steward goes out to them and he says, hey, this big guy, this guy whose, his name isn't Joseph at this point. He's got an Egyptian name, but Joseph is, he's going to hold a big feast and you're all invited. And they're like, oh no, they still think it's a trap. (laughs) Oh no, he's going to lure us into his house. He's going to get us, he's going to get us full. He's going to get us tired. And then he's going to attack us. They're really worried about it. And the steward says, no, no, it's nothing like that. They said, look, look, we got the money. Okay, we didn't steal the money. We brought the money with us and we brought some extra stuff for you too. And the steward's like, thank you. It's fine. Joseph did that on purpose. It's fine. Just come to lunch with him. And so they move in for lunch. Genesis chapter 43, verses 27 to 31. He inquired, Joseph inquired about their welfare. So they're standing in front of him. He asked them how they're doing. Is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? And they're probably thinking, 
why is he asking this? Why does he care if our dad is in good health? Why does he care if our dad is alive? They said, your servant, our father as well, he's still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. It means they bowed down before Joseph again. And this is the moment. Are you ready? He lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? He hasn't seen him. He hasn't seen him in probably 25 years. Is this my baby brother Benjamin? He doesn't say that, but that's what he's thinking. Is this him? Is this your youngest brother whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. And then again, look at this. Joseph hurried out. He ran out of the room. For his compassion grew warm for his brother. And he sought a place to weep. Again, he runs out of the room and he loses it. He breaks down crying because he's looking at his baby brother who he thought he would never see again. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. You know, one of the things about when someone hurts us or when we come out of a bad situation where we've been let down is that we tend to focus on the negative. We tend to focus on the things that hurt us rather than on the, the good and the things that we love. And what Joseph does, instead of looking at his brothers in this situation and being angry at them and being upset with them, he sees how much he loves them. He can't even, he's kept his heart soft. And so he sees how much he loves them and he breaks down crying. It's easy to remember the bad. Always remember this, guys. It's easy to remember the bad. It's much harder to remember the good. But always remember the good. Remembering when you're in the pit, when you're in the pit of revenge, the only way to get out is to remember the good instead of the bad. Remembering the bad is like holding a shovel. Remembering the good is like holding a ladder. Remembering what was good about it, what was positive about it, what was constructive about it is what pulls us through it rather than putting all of our focus on the evil. And so uh, they buy their grain, but Joseph doesn't want to let his brother go. He doesn't want to see Benjamin leave. He wants him to stick around. So he he develops another plan. He sends them away and he gives them Simeon back, but he sends them away back home. And they thought, oh my goodness, we got out of this thing. But he tells his steward, what I want you to do, same thing he did last time. Put the grain in their sacks, put their money back in their sacks as well, but I want you to take my special silver cup And I want you to stick it in there too. And he sends them away and they get a little ways away from Egypt and he sends his steward out after him and his steward says, whoa, 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 whoa. He stops their whole caravan. He says, wait, somebody stole Joseph's cup. Somebody, and they said, no, 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 we didn't, didn't, why would we steal anything? We've got all this grain, we've got our money, we've got everything we need. Why would we steal anything? And they says, no, no, we're gonna search everybody's bags. And so they break out everybody's bags and they start searching through everything. And finally, they find the silver cup. You know where it is? It's in Benjamin's bag. It's in Benjamin's bag. And the steward says, I'm sorry, Benjamin's got to come back with us. And so he seizes Benjamin to take him back. This is, this is Joseph's whole plan to get his brother back in Egypt with him. They seize him and all the other brothers go, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We can't go back without Benjamin. That ain't going to work. 
It's not going to happen. We can't. And so they go back. They all go back to Joseph again. And they stand in front of him to try and explain everything that happened. And Judah speaks up. And Judah explains the whole thing. He says, listen, my father already lost one son. And Benjamin is the baby. And he can't, nothing can happen to him. And he goes through the whole story with him, explains the whole thing. And he he finishes by saying this. He's like, you can't do this to our dad, okay? You can't do this to Jacob. You can't take his son like this. And he says this phrase, it's, it's, it's so impactful to me. He says, I fear to see the evil that would find my father. I fear to see the evil that would find my father if Benjamin doesn't go back. He's afraid something bad's going to happen to his dad. He's afraid he's going to have a broken heart. And Joseph, when he's faced with that kind of love for the father, realizes that he can't keep doing this. The Joseph loves, J- Jacob's never done anything to Joseph except love him. And so he can't bear the thought of something bad happening to Benjamin. He can't bear the thought of something bad happening to Jacob. And you know, sometimes when you're in the pit of revenge, you've been betrayed, you've been hurt, you've been let in, down. It's your love for someone else in the situation that pulls you through. It's your concern for someone else who's affected by the whole thing that makes all of the difference in the world. And so they come back. He, he, Judas explained this all to Joseph and then Genesis 45, 1 through 3. Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. So he's in a room full of Egyptians, guards and other people. He can't control himself and he cried, make everyone go out from me. He said, clear the room, everybody out except for these guys. I need a minute alone with these brothers. He sends everybody out from the room. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Finally, he's had enough. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the house of Pharaoh heard it. He, let, he was crying so loud that they were outside the room going, what in the world is happening in there? They have no idea. They have no idea the scale of what's happened up until this point. He's crying. His heart, his heart is still soft towards his brothers. He loses it. He's crying. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? (laughs) Like, if you were lying to me before, please don't lie to me now. I'm your brother. And but listen, his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. Can you imagine if you were in their shoes and there was someone in your life that you thought you'd gotten rid of a long time ago and it's followed you around so much so that 25 years later you're still talking about it and the effect that it still has on you and all of a sudden they're there. And they are in complete power over you and they can do absolutely anything they want to you. All of a sudden they realize they're found out. They can't hide. They can't run. They're standing, the one person, the biggest regret they have in their life is standing in front of them right now and he can do whatever he wants. That's a lot of power. So what does he do? Verse four. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And again, if you're in their shoes, you're like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't think I want to do that. But he says, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry. Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. 
Because he's kept his heart soft, Joseph is able to look at them and realize, I know you did something evil to me, but God has been able to use that for good. You maybe heard the famous phrase, what you meant for evil, God has meant for good. This is where this comes from. And he knows that Egypt would be decimated. His family would be decimated. They would all be destroyed if he had not ended up in the position he was in to provide grain for them. It's like he could have started singing, God bless the broken road. Let me stray to you. (laughs) Like he had to go through prison. He had to go through Potiphar's house. He had to go through all of that to end up in Egypt so that he could provide life to so many other people. And he said, don't be distressed. I know you hurt me. I know you sold me. I know, I know all of that. Everything I've been through, I'll tell you all that later. But I understand that I went through all of that so that God could do something great in me, for you, for the world. And so when he was standing, he had the choice to do whatever he wanted to the people that hurt him. He chose mercy instead of revenge. And the only way he was able to do that is because he'd kept his heart soft. Because he'd been faithful all the way along and done what God wanted him to do, right? And he chose mercy instead of revenge. That's forgiveness, by the way. When you have the opportunity to impose a consequence on someone and you choose not to. That's mercy. It's forgiveness. And then he does this, Genesis 45, verse 14. So he does all that. He explains things to him. And then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck. So he finally, the, the, the mask is off. They know who he is. He knows who they are. He grabs Benjamin. He hugs him as tight as he can. He just starts crying on his neck. He weeps. And then he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. So it wasn't just Benjamin. He grabbed every single one of them, gave him a big old bear hug, cried all over him, probably snotted on him too. Right, we know how that goes. <laughs> and they knew, they knew then that everything was going to be okay. He said, because after that, his brothers talked with him. They realized it wasn't a game. They realized he wasn't going to get even. He had forgiven them and they could trust him. And they were able to be restored Now, when you're in conflict with someone, when you're angry with someone, when you want to get revenge or they want to get revenge or whatever the situation may be, restoration isn't always possible. But it is possible when one person chooses the path of of Joseph. Someone has to choose the path of Joseph to keep their hearts soft and to be willing to forgive and extend mercy instead of revenge. And Joseph isn't the only example we have of this. Christ is our example of this. In fact, when you look at the story of Joseph, we said this over and over, Joseph is a perfect example of Christ. Uh, Everything that you see happen in Joseph's life happens in Jesus' life in one way or another. And Jesus made the same choice. If there was anyone who ever came to earth and had the right to get even with people who had hurt them, to to impose judgment and consequences on those who had, had spoken against them and lived against them, it was Jesus, the Son of God. But instead of choosing revenge, instead of choosing punishment, Jesus Christ chose mercy. And he gave himself as a sacrifice on the cross so that we could be forgiven. He is our perfect example. He's our perfect example. Instead of being angry with us, he wept for us. He let it hurt. There's a beautiful moment when he's, Jesus is riding in Jerusalem before he's crucified. He's on, a, he's on a colt and he looks at Jerusalem and he cries for Jerusalem. And he says, if you'd only accepted me, if you'd only believed, he understands 
He let it hurt. Instead of punishing us, he showed kindness to us. Instead of focusing on our past, he focused on our future. And instead of getting revenge, he showed us mercy. And he did that on the cross by giving his life to pay for our sins, placed into the tomb, risen again on the third day, proving power over sin and death. And just like Joseph's brothers standing in front of him, we can stand in front of Jesus and know that he is going to forgive us of our sins. He is faithful and just. We put our faith in Christ to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and then he will embrace us and weep on our neck the same way that Joseph did on his brothers. And I just want to ask you, as you think about the people in your life that have hurt you, would you choose the path of Joseph and would you choose the path of Jesus? To keep your heart soft and when the moment comes to extend mercy instead of extending revenge. All right, so let's think about that in our lives. And I just want you to imagine what it would be like if we all made that choice together. What a different community we would live in. So let's pray together. God, we come to you and we thank you for this beautiful, sunny, warm day. For the, for the uh, love you have showered down on us and the puns you've given us the ability to come up with. And, um, and it, in the middle of this, which is, which is fun and different and interesting, uh, we, we walk in here with hurt. We walk in here with pain. There are people we're upset with. Now, people that have hurt us in the past or very recently. People who have uh, you know, committed uh, acts against us which are painful. And um, it hurts. And it's okay. It needs to hurt. And God, I pray that you give us the right kind of hurt. The kind of hurt that helps to keep us soft. The kind of hurt that helps us to, to, uh, to not grow callous and cold and distant from the world. And that you would give us the right perspective on those people. To understand that they, they may probably act sinfully. And that we act the same way in many cases. And so keep our hearts soft towards them. To understand they're people that you love. They're people that you, Jesus Christ, that you died for. And so we need to look at them the same way you look at them. Not with eyes of revenge. Not with eyes of justice. Not with eyes of, not with that. But with eyes of compassion and mercy and grace. So that we could forgive them the same way that Christ forgave us. So that we could forgive them the same way that Joseph forgave his brothers for what they did. And that in doing that, we too, just like Joseph, can prevail in this pit. This life that we live where there's so much pain and hurt, but there's so much joy to be found, but only when we do things the way that you've designed for us to do them. So help to keep us focused. If anybody here hasn't turned to you in faith and become your child and been forgiven of their sins, they can do that now. They can stand in front of you now, just like the, the brother stood in front of Joseph and ask forgiveness of their sin. Just right now, you could say to God, if you've never done this before, you could say, God, forgive me for all I've done wrong. I hurt you, I know that. And I'm asking you to forgive me through Jesus Christ. And you can know with confidence that he does forgive you in his son, Jesus Christ. Right now, he forgives all of your sin. He washes it away. It's a clean start and a new day for you. And God, I pray that as we then receive the spirit and learn how to live and think and, and feel the way you want us to, that you would help us to look at people the way you look at people and to forgive them, and that in that we would find healing. We pray, for, we pray for restoration when possible, that you would work in our hearts to work towards that, that you would help us prevail in this pit. And we know that you can do that through the power of your Son, through the power of your Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.